Turn with me over to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at verses uh, 6 through 11 of chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 11. The title of the message is Welcome to Generosity, Grace to Sow. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, and you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Lord, help us as we study your word. Amen. Four things in this passage about which I want to speak. One, the idea of what it means to sow and reap. Secondly, what it means to have your sentiments harnessed. Your sentiments harnessed. Thirdly, specialized grace that God applies when somebody decides to sow abundantly. And fourth, how he supernaturally provides so that you will always be able to do that which you've already done in sowing abundantly. Paul is trying to help the church at Corinth understand how important it is to finish what they started. There were saints in Jerusalem who were struggling because there was a famine and Paul was raising funds throughout all the churches of which he had influence, in which he had influence to, to get funds to Jerusalem to help them because everybody in Jerusalem was struggling. And he started with Corinth and then he went to Philippi and he talked to Philippi about what Corinth had done and Philippi said, well, we got to do something. Corinth seemed to be at least... Upper middle class, maybe middle class, maybe upper class. But they had resources and there was never a sense that they didn't have what was needed to be able to devote to Jerusalem. But Philippi was different. The church was poor. And Paul said out of the abundance of their poverty, their deep poverty, they gave. Paul used Corinth to encourage Philippi to give. Philippi gave immediately, though Philippi was second in their giving. Corinth was first. But when Paul used Corinth to encourage Philippi, it turns out that Corinth may have started well but did not end well and that Paul was trying to figure out, where's the money? I know you said you gave, but <laughs> uh, is it in the mail? The check's in the mail, you say. Oh, okay. We're waiting. You didn't send anybody with the resources. The courier has not arrived. Where's the money? So much so that he now has to send somebody to Corinth. You'd never want to send a bill collector. I mean, it's no fun to receive a bill. You're knocking on the door. Hey, we're here. To, calling on the phone. Click. You don't want to hear from a... 
Paul has to send a bill collector. He don't want to do that, but he said, he said I'm trying, I'm just, you said you were going to give, and I, I'm not trying to pressure you, but I just want you to know that you probably need to finish what you started, because I bragged on you to these churches, and I don't want my bragging to be in vain. Where's the money? And Paul could say this with confidence, because none of it was for him. He was trying to stop people from dying in Jerusalem. So you can be strong on these points when it's not going to benefit you. Where is the money, Corinth? You started well, finish. Now I got to send somebody to you. If they find that there's no funds, we got some problems. We got some problems. I, I, I don't know what to do with that. You devoted it to God. And he doesn't go through a whole lot of stories about Old Testament folk that took stuff that was devoted to God. It, it didn't end well. A fellow named Achan. Didn't end well. God said, leave Jericho alone. Defeat him, fine. Take nothing. That is your offering to me of when you come into promised land. I'm going to give you victory. You are going to raise a sword. Yeah, they did. But, but the victory came as a result of God's doing. You are, it's my victory. All you're going to do is blow a trumpet and shout. The walls will come down. You'll come in. You'll vanquish the city. But I don't want you to take a cup, not a spoon, not a fork. You leave it all for me. Hallelujah. Come on. I said, okay. This was their offering, their first fruits offering to God. My garden. It's small, it's small, you know, 20 by 20, but it's big enough to make me work. And so I'm out there doing what I need to do, and, and last year was a terrible year. We, we didn't have much of a harvest, I don't know why, but it has to do something with me. I'm not quite sure what it is. This year is better, and we always make sure we, when we harvest the first week of harvest, not the first thing, because you don't want to just give a green bean to somebody. <laughs> when we harvest the first, we always give it away. We don't eat it for us. We give it away. Whether it's the, 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 the $700 summer squash. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> See, when you, when you plant a garden, it's not cheap. It's easier to go to Giant. <laughs> Harris Theater has organic food now. You, you can be safe. But, but when, you're, when you're married and your wife wants a garden, it doesn't matter how much the food costs. You plant it. And I'm telling you, you haven't lived till you've eaten a $700 summer squash. <laughs> After you spend that much money between soil and fertilizer and seeds and seedlings and, 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 and wood, wood borders and, and building up fences and to keep the deer out and, and, the, the, and the, the, the groundhogs and, and, and all kinds of, of things that keep bugs away. After you do all that, you want to eat. <laughs> you you want to eat. What's it? We give it away. First fruits. Don't touch it. Achan, one of the Israelites, decided, ah, I'm going to take a little bit. And he took some gold. And didn't tell anybody. Hid it in his tent. You can read the story for yourself in Joshua, but it didn't go well for the entire nation. 
so bad was it that Joshua had to go back and reseek God? What happened, Lord? You failed us. He said, not me, you. Somebody did what they weren't supposed to do in the camp, and it affected the entire nation. Hear me? Covetousness is not just your problem. Corinth, where's the money? You set it aside. You gave it to God. But now, you, did you take it back and spend it? We haven't found it. It hasn't arrived in the mail. And so he's trying to encourage them, not correct them. Remind them of their responsibility. And here he says, remember, it's important that you sow, but how you sow. And sowing is an, is an agrarian term, by the way. It's not S-E-W. It's S-O-W, planting something in the ground. How you sow is important, not just that you sow. One who sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. Now, I don't know that I need to define the word sparingly to you, but it means with restraint, doing the minimum, not letting your heart be engaged in the gift, not letting your thanksgiving be expressed in how much and how often. How much should not be compared to anybody else, but just what you feel you need to express in terms of worship and thanksgiving to God for what he has done for you. That's the how much. The widow's might was not much compared to anybody else. It was nothing. In fact, what do you do when you see a penny on the ground? Do you stop to pick it up? Most folks just step right over it. That's how much she gave. And Jesus saw when the widow gave the widow's might, saw it, and said, that woman gave more than everybody else who's given today. Why? Because to her, it was everything. Sparingly is neglecting that and just doing what's comfortable, doing what's minimal, doing what you have to. Because he says, but, but he who sows bountifully reaps bountifully. And he's using a gray in terms to help them understand what kind of harvest do you want. Now, this is the only time where Paul is using uh, the 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 benefactor and receiver relationship, meaning kind of put it in the ground and what comes back to you in terms of giving. He does say to the, to the Philippians that my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory as a result of your big gift, as a result of your big heart. They didn't give near as much as anybody else, but it was a big gift for them. But here Paul is specifically using the idea of sowing and reaping to talk about what it means to benefit from the gift that you gave. Now, we don't give in order to get. If you do that, something's wrong with you. You give in order to benefit others. You give because you love God and you want to thank him for what he's done for you. It's an act of worship. But the Lord is, is so good that he wants to benefit you when you do so. So that when you give, he says, I count that as sowing. And I'm going to put that in the ground. And I'm going to benefit you in, in the end. And if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. You will reap, but it'll be a little bit. But, but what, would, what would happen if you sowed until it was uncomfortable? Now, the word bountiful here is, is used 11 times in the New Testament. And most of the time, it's used to talk about either uh, the, the amount that God gives to fill the soul 
where, where, where Peter says, God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness, that everything, that blessing that he's given, is, is the same word here. Or somebody is speaking wonderfully in praise about somebody else or talking to God. This is the only time that it's used to talk about finances. And he says, if you sow abundantly, if you sow, in, in fact, the term is, 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 is this is the way it's, it sounds to the Greek. If you sow with the idea of profuse praise, because the word that is used in the Greek is to usually talk about how blessed somebody is or how you are blessing somebody. If you sow with profuse praise, then you will reap in the same way. Unusual giving as an act of worship. I will make sure that it comes back to you in the same way. Now the beauty is this. That when we give to our God, we are doing it, again, without anything in return. But we get to benefit twice when we give abundantly. Why? Because we have done so with a heart that is fully engaged. And we are filled as a result of that just in our own souls. That we have been able to now bless God and bless people with the stuff he's given us. We have become good stewards of that which he has given us to steward. There is a reward just in the giving. There is benefit just in the distribution. I can't tell you how good it, how good it feels to be able to write something that's uncomfortable in terms of a check. Y'all don't use checks, I get that. To do an ACH withdrawal, <laughs> a credit card, whatever, a debit card, and to do it just a little bit more. I say, Lord, that's for you. When my children were born, broke out my checkbook. Thank you, Jesus, in the memo. Called the Thanksgiving offering. Oh, it felt so good. Did I have the money? No. Oh, it's not that I bounced the check. I, that money was devoted to something else. I was going to use it for something else. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Thank you, my God. I even gave a whole lot more when it came to my adopted daughter. <laughs> a whole lot more. Not only in getting her and that the cost to, 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 to receive her into our lives was uh, high. It was high. I don't know if you've been through an adoption, but you're going to pay five figures. That's what's going to cost you to get a child. And we didn't need one. We had enough people. <laughs> but God told us to bring this little girl into our home. And we were, we were happy to sacrifice. Happy. And that was during a time when I, wasn't, I was trying to figure out how in the world to make ends meet. Yes, Lord. Absolutely. Praising him with my gift. And the Lord has done so far above what I can ask or think. So far above what I can ask. He has allowed me to reap abundantly. Am I rich? No, not in my bank accounts. I'm a pastor, y'all. I'm provided for. Please, I'm not poor. There is no complaint ever in me. This church does good on me. I am grateful. But I'm more blessed in my soul than I am in my bank account. I just want you to know that there is a blessing that comes.
before you ever get anything back. And then on top of that, he gives you stuff back. He decides, I'm going to pour out on you. Why? Because he realizes how faithful you are. You're one of the few people who actually steward my resources well. So why wouldn't I give you more? If you're able to steward a little bit well, surely you'll be able to steward a lot well. So if you gave a lot when you had a little, surely you'll give a whole lot when you have a lot. Do you see that that is a revolving door out of which you do not want to get? Because if you sow a lot out of your getting a lot, then you sow a lot to get a whole lot more. Do I need to keep going? You understand what I'm saying? And that's just the goodness of our God. I'm not even expecting it. I do not care if he does it. Hear me. I don't care if he does it. He has just privileged me to participate in his will. And he has made my heart so tender. And it needs to be more so. It's not where it should be. He's made my heart so tender to be able to want to give and sacrifice with joy. Which is the second part. Sowing abundantly. He says, now make sure when you do it, that you don't do it just because I'm telling you to. Don't do it begrudgingly. Don't do it all. Man, this church talks about money a lot. Jeez, I mean, every Sunday is my money. Every good year, I got a guy talking here about money. The pastor talks about money in his service. Money, 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 money. No apology. No apology. None. None. One, because we do right with it. Two, you get blessed by it. You need to think differently about money. And if you look at, at the times that Jesus talked about money, you'd say the same thing about him. Same thing. And the disciples talked about Jesus and money. Yes, they did. Did it very nicely, very respectably, respectably, but they, Jesus with the 5,000. He said, send these people away. 4,000, send these people away. He said, you give them something to eat. Why do you want to take my food? I prepared. They didn't. Why, why you got to always ask me for stuff? He's talking to them about money, and they're complaining. Resources, they're complaining. They reluctantly, begrudgingly give them their food. This time, before it was five loaves and two fish, here we have seven loaves and five fish, I believe. They reluctantly, second time now, they already saw the miracle. Second time, they reluctantly give them, give them their, their food. They're mad. They are mad about the offering. Hot about the offering. We ain't got no lunch. We ain't got no, he took our lunch again. He took our lunch. The men aren't able to go back to their wives and explain why the kids can't eat. They're just, they aren't, there's no faith there. They're not saying, oh, we're about to receive something in a minute. Mm -mm. It's, it's, Jesus took it. <laughs> Be careful how you report what God is doing. Be careful because you put doubt and unbelief and cynicism in somebody else. Be careful. Jesus took it. 4,000 people were fed just men, not to mention women and children, with a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. And then it says the disciples went back and picked up seven basketfuls. Seven basketfuls. They had more 
many times more than what they had in the beginning. Now, I know you don't like to double dip. The idea of communal food is just... Especially in this environment, right? I mean, the last thing you want to do is share anything. But that's all they did in the Middle East. It was a communal time, food was. You reclined at a table, kind of like a chase lounge, and there was a table in the middle, and you were lying down, and all the food was in the middle, and you just took your piece of bread, and you took whatever food was there, meat, vegetables, you wrapped it up in that bread, and everybody else did it. And so please don't think something was really wrong when they picked up seven basketfuls of leftovers that other people had had their hands on, and somehow that they were blessed by that. That's weird. It's not. That was a blessing to them. My point is that they were mad about the giving, but they were happy about the receiving. He says, don't give begrudgingly. You can have a blessing if you'll let your heart be happy. Because God loves a cheerful giver, not just a cheerful receiver. Everybody is happy when Publishers Clearinghouse shows up at their door. <laughs> cheerful receivers. Even the atheists bless God then. $5,000 a week for the rest of your life. Who ain't happy about that? The giving's hard. The giving's hard. And Paul says you better train your soul to be able to give like that. Cheerfully. Oh, I'm happy to be able to contribute. I'm so happy to be able to contribute. So he talks about the concept of sowing and reaping. Then he talks about the attitude of sowing and reaping. And then he talks about the specialized grace therein. Oh, gosh. For my God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you, having all sufficiency in everything, may abound in every good work three times. Actually, four. Because the last phrase there, abound in every good work, is considered one phrase. But it's actually two concepts about abundance. Abound in every good work. Paul mentions four ways that God, four emphases that God wants to bless somebody if they will sow abundantly and not just sparingly. It's not just that your sowing is going to give you what you think. Uh, let, me, let me rephrase it. It's not just that you're sowing, even though we should not expect to receive anything from God because we just want to give to make him happy. But when the sowing it, it begins to have its effect and we begin to reap that there's going to be some kind of of correlation between how much you sowed and how much you reaped. There is. But God says he adds his grace to it to expand that correlation. I mean, when, when I plant, I wish I didn't know as much about gardening as I do. When I plant a green bean, I realize that one plant is coming up. We do bush beans, not vine beans. But I remember one plant is coming. And generally speaking, I can get 50 green beans from that plant. If it's healthy, I can get 50 in a growing season. But if I got 400, I'd want to know where did that seed come from? How in the world did that happen? God says, I give you 400 when it should give 50. I add my grace to it. And my grace doesn't make any sense in your reaping. It goes way beyond your expectations. Way beyond what the genetics, the natural process says you should reap from. I'm going to do way beyond what you think. My grace is able to make sure that you, you having all, everybody say all. All, all sufficiency, while you are provided for, all sufficiency in everything. 
you, having everything you need and even above it, may abound in every good work. So that while you are provided for, God says, I'm going to give you that which you can provide for everybody else and it's not going to affect you in the least. He adds his grace, specializing not only that, it's, I hope y'all get this because this is really cool. It's not just that you get resources back. He says, and he, as it is written, he scattered to, abroad and gave gifts to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean, God, you're just not going to give me stuff so I can be provided for? You're also going to grant me righteousness as a result of my gift? You didn't earn it by your gift. You can't. You've always, already proven that, that that ship has sailed. You can't get righteous by what you do because we've already, already proven that we are unrighteous by what we've done. Our, our good deeds can't make up for our bad. But we can do righteousness as a result of becoming different in that Jesus has made our hearts different. He's renewed us. He's made us brand new, new creations in Christ. We've been born again. And as a result of being new, we now do new. As a result of being different, we now do different. We can't become righteous by doing righteous, but by being made by God, we will do righteousness to prove that his remaking is true. Now, that doing righteousness still doesn't bring us any righteousness before God. Grace is the only thing that makes us righteous. And he says, when you give, I want you to know my grace is following your gift. I'm going to add a degree of righteousness to your life. Just the spice that makes the, 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 the dish a little bit more tasty. <laughs> you enter into a room through your gift that allows you to experience more of the grace of God. It is, it is just beautiful to give abundantly. And then, lastly, he does supernatural provision. I close. <laughs> now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will multiply your seed for sowing and, and, and increase your bread for food and the harvest of your righteousness. My goodness. So there are two things that God provides. And, and this, this, this is a master class here. Not taught by me, by Paul. A master class in how God provides. He provides in two ways. He gives you seed for sowing, and he gives you bread for food. They look the same in your bank account. You can't tell the difference. It's just dollars. It's just stuff in the cupboard. It's just automobiles. It's just strength to be able to serve when you ran out. There are a whole lot of things that look the same. But God says this. Some of it is for sowing. Some of it is for you. The key for us in discernment is knowing how we should not eat our seed. That is for sowing. There's bread for food that we need to eat. But if you eat your seed for sowing, you won't have the resources necessary to get more bread for food. This ought to get a whole lot more amens. We're at the end of the sermon. I know you're tired. I've preached a long time. And I think I've done a pretty good job. Just, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But I, I just want you to know... You ought to get this. 
and, and, and discern when you get your check. Okay, this is tithe. That's seed for sowing. I got some orphans. That's above the tithe. That's seed for sowing. See, you're quiet again. <laughs> I got campus ministers I'm supporting. That, that's seed for sowing. I got buildings. I'm, I'm, wait a minute, that's a lot of, yes, it's a lot of seed for sowing. And we all ought to be happy about it. Because it's advancing the kingdom of God in ways that others cannot do or will not do. Ah. And I ate breakfast this morning. I ate breakfast. I've got clothes in my closet. See, there's another point you missed. You're feeling, yeah, Pastor, you look good. See, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's a little slow. I'm just, I'm giving you an opportunity. That long lag time, just quiet, and I hear crickets. That ought not be. All God wants to do is bring you in as a partner. That's it. He wants to bring you in the family business. He doesn't want you to be a consumer. You can enjoy Walmart or you can join with Sam Walton. Which one? You can be a part of the franchises that plant all over the world and see cities won. Or you can just go buy Wonder Bread. Just be a consumer. Which one do you want to do? Let's change the world together. God in heaven, help us, please. Help us, please, to love you with our money. To love you with our money. Not just with our emotions, not just with our daily commitment, but with our money.